take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Joshua 14. And if you're excited to hear the word this morning, say amen. Because I'm fired up, I'll be honest. I saw some people getting coffee, I said fill it up. Because I've been off for a couple of weeks and I'm ready to preach this morning. Joshua chapter 14, we'll be looking this morning at verses 6 through 15. And a wonderful story about a man named Caleb. I was reminded this week of a statement that C.S. Lewis made in his book, Mere Christianity. Listen closely to what he says. He says, it is easy to think that the church has a lot of different objects, education, building, missions, holding services, just as it is easy to think that the state has a lot of different objects, military, political, economic, and whatnot. But in a way, things are much simpler than that. The state exists simply to promote and protect the ordinary happiness of human beings in this life. In the same way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, all the clergy, all the missions, all the sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Amen? The church has one goal, and that is to draw people to Christ. And I think in the midst of all that is going on in our church right now, all of the offerings and all of the services and the changes and the excitement that is happening around here, it is good to stop and be reminded that there is one thing that God has called us to above else, all else, and that is to draw men and women and boys and girls to Jesus Christ. And I love what he says there. He says not only to draw them to Christ, but to make them little Christ. What he means by that is simply leading people to look like Jesus, that we were created to bear his image. Romans 8 is very clear that we have been predestined as believers to be conformed into the image of Christ. What's God's plan for you as a believer? To look more and more like Jesus every single day, and that is the object of everything we do. That is why our mission at Prince is simply this. We exist to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. That is not simply a one-time thing. That is a continuous thing that our goal this morning, whether you've never heard the name of Christ or whether you've heard the name of Christ for the last 50 years and followed him for 50 years, our mission for you is still the same. We want you to keep trusting and following Jesus. That's it. And in so doing, we believe that as you live a life of trusting and following Jesus, you will look more and more like him every day. I can't imagine a better biblical example of simply trusting and following Jesus, the one we have for us in Joshua chapter 14. Now you may remember a couple of weeks ago, I preached Joshua 13 through 21, nine chapters in one sermon. And I did so because it's a section of land allotment. It's a rather strange part of the book of Joshua, but it's there to remind us of our inheritance in Jesus Christ. And I don't plan to do any other sermons from those sections except this one because right in the middle of all of this land allotment with names and places that you don't know where they are and names that you can't pronounce, there's a little story about a familiar character named Caleb. Let me remind you a little bit of Caleb. You may know some of this story. 
We first hear about Caleb in Numbers 13. Now you remember God had delivered his people from Egypt and he had done so in order to keep the promise that he had made to Abraham that he was not only gonna bring them out, but he was gonna bring them in. He had a better land for them. He promised them great blessing, many descendants, and their own land, a promised land, which was really to be a picture for us as New Testament believers of the life that God intended for it to be. God's people living in God's place with his presence and fulfilling his purpose. But the people did not immediately get into that land. It took a while. God stopped them at Mount Sinai and reminded them of what it looked like to be the people of God. But it was in Numbers 13 in which God said, okay, it's time. Here's the land. It's right there. I've already given it to you. It's yours. You just, you just have to go take it. So they sent 12 spies into the land to go spy out the land. Two of those spies were Joshua and Caleb. Now, you know the familiar story. The 12 spies came back and brought two words back. Number one, this is good land just as the Lord promised. It flows with milk and honey. As a matter of fact, they came back with a big pole filled with grapes to show that this is a good land. God promised it would be, and it is. But the other word they brought back is this. This is also a land with large people and fortified cities. In other words, it is ours for the taking. God has promised it, but it's, it's not gonna be easy. We saw the cities, we saw the walls, we saw the armies, we saw the fortresses, and we saw the descendants of Anak there, and they are large people. 10 of the spies came back believing that God's promise alone was not sufficient and believed they could not take the land. God had already told them the land was theirs. All they had to do was take it. But 10 out of the 12 did not think they could do it. They were paralyzed with fear. They were terrified of all that they saw when they went in. Now it tells us in Numbers 13 that as these 10 started to stir up fear and anxiety in the rest, that Caleb quieted the people and simply said, let's go because we can overcome them. You say, where did he get that kind of confidence? Because God just told them to go because they could overcome them. So everyone getting stirred up and a little fired up and worried and concerned because oftentimes anxiety has a powerful effect to paralyze us from doing the simple things that the Lord calls us to do. Paralyzed with fear, Caleb says, well, hold on, let's just go, let's take it. Well, they don't respond well to that. As a matter of fact, the people in Numbers 13 begin to complain and, and they want to go back to Egypt. They don't even care about taking the land. They're terrified of what is happening. They cried and wept and grumbled. They actually asked the Lord to give them new leaders. So it tells us in Numbers 14 that Caleb and Joshua said this to the people. The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread to us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with them. Do not fear them. Now this was an incredible speech in which Caleb was pleading with them to believe the Lord and you're right, this is exactly what happened. All the people said, Caleb, you're right, we're sorry, we're wrong. Let's go take the land. It's not, not exactly how it happened. I'm not sure if you've read the story or not. The actual story says that they picked up stones and tried to kill Caleb 
for his excitement about going in to the land. I think Caleb believed that if this speech is good enough, people were going to get fired up and they were all going to march forward, you know, a gladiator moment or something. Uh, It didn't happen. They wanted to kill Caleb. And here's what happened as a result. Caleb was ready. Joshua was ready. God was ready. The land was theirs. All they had to go and take it. But instead of going to enter into the land that God promised them, God made them wander the desert for 40 years so that an entire generation of unbelievers would not inherit the land. And the Lord simply said this, there are only two people in this generation that will ever see the land. It's Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else has to die in the wilderness. And all of that generation missed out on the fullness of the blessing of God simply because they believed the report of the 10 instead of believing the very word of God. Now, in Joshua 14, they have entered into the land. They have divided up the inheritance. A new generation has come. And look at what it says in verse 6 and following of Joshua 14. If you're there, say amen. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses. This is Caleb speaking. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me, talking to Joshua. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. And I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as the strength that was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there and great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord has said. Then Joshua blessed him. He gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, these giants. He was the greatest of all of them, and the land had rest from war. Now, you might have noticed some repetitive words. The three times in this little passage right here, it says one thing about Caleb. He wholly followed the Lord. Three other times, once in Numbers 13 and then in Numbers 32 and Deuteronomy chapter 1, it says the same thing about Caleb. He wholly followed the Lord. Six times in Scripture, six times, it says Caleb wholly followed followed the Lord. 
Caleb was not a half-hearted man. The Lord was not a part of his life. The Lord was his life. That at the very center of Caleb's life was the Lord. It was his greatest passion. It was his greatest pursuit. There is nothing that Caleb wanted more than what God wanted. It reminds me of Psalm 73, 25, in which David says, there is nothing I desire on earth more than you. That was Caleb. Caleb wanted everything that the Lord would give him. He didn't want to miss anything. If the Lord was going to give him this, he wanted to take every single bit of it. It reminds me of what A.W. Tozer says when he talks about following hard or going hard after God, giving energy towards your relationship with the Lord. This is what Caleb did. Everything in his heart wanted all that the Lord wants. And that's the legacy of Caleb. I mean, imagine one thing being said of you at the end of your life. That when everyone gathers together, multiple people stand and they say, we don't really know how to say this. I think all we can say is this. She wholly followed the Lord. He wholly followed the Lord with all of his heart, with all of her heart. What she wanted is the Lord, more of the Lord all of the time. That's the one thing we have. From Caleb. And it's manifested in a few different ways here in Joshua chapter 14. I want you to write these things down. What does it look like to wholly follow the Lord? Well, I think there are a few things from Caleb's life. The first one is this. It looks like enduring perseverance. Enduring perseverance. Perseverance means continued effort despite difficulty or opposition. Just continued effort, that you're not giving in, you're not giving up, you persevere in the midst of all of the normal difficulties of life, that a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of anxiety doesn't deter you, a little bit of rain doesn't deter you from following the Lord or being at church. It's just, that's for those who are watching live stream. God bless you, there may have been reasons you couldn't come. I'm not judging let the Lord deal with you on that one. <laughs> but in, in, in the midst of all of the normal stuff that we have in life, and can I just say all of us have it? Like all of us have the difficulty and the pain and suffering. We all have disappointments. Enduring perseverance says this, I'm not gonna allow those things to keep me from following the Lord. He had that. And look at it in verses 10 and 11. It says, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old, still as strong as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, 45 years earlier, for war and for coming and for going. Caleb seems to have what a previous generation would have referred to as vim, vigor, and vitality. It is a, a strength of body, a strength of spirit, a strength of mind, a sense of resolve that I am going to continue to do what God has called me to do until the day the Lord takes me home. And you know that the Lord has a very clear way of showing you when he's done with you. You know that. He'll kill you. <laughs> he numbers your days. When he's done with you, you will know he's done with you. You don't have to, if you're here this morning, 
and breathing, the Lord is not done with you, that he has more for you. And perseverance is saying, I'm just gonna keep going until the Lord takes me home. And I love that statement where he says, I am as strong now as I was 45 years ago. Now, I, I gotta tell you, I, particularly in the Old Testament, I love to, I talk about this a lot, I love to read the scripture and then think about it. Just, okay, what, is this, what does this look like? And I, I, you know, it's hard to know how to take this at first because this is an 85-year-old man and you just kind of wonder if he's kind of doing the, I'm just as strong today as I was 45 years ago. And I'll whoop any of you young boys right now. Matter of fact, just come on, I'll whip you. I'll whip you right now. <laughs> what? I'll whip you right now. Just come, any of you, just come on. I can still. You just, that's kind of the picture you get, like never getting out of his rocker, just inviting you to come and fight. You, I got it. I'll take you right now. You want me to get up? But he never gets up. But I, I don't think that's the case. The truth is that there is an energy left in Caleb's life at 85 years old. And the reason God's giving some energy is because God's got something left. And you say, well, I don't have that kind of energy. Well, you've got some energy, and the energy you have is the energy you need to do what God's called you to do. Let me tell you something. As I, as I think about what Caleb has, I can't stop thinking about what Caleb doesn't have. You know the one thing Caleb should have in his life right now is bitterness and resentment. Because 45 years ago, he could have gone and taken the land if they would have just listened to him. 45 years, he's been waiting to get the inheritance that could have been his when he was 40, when he probably could have enjoyed it a little bit longer and a little bit more. And the only reason he didn't get it 45 years ago is because 10 other men who did not trust the Lord stirred up the congregation and made him wander for half of his life. And I think one of the reasons that Caleb has so much energy and so much joy and so much perseverance is because he doesn't have bitterness and resentment. There is nothing that will eat at your energy and will eat at your vision more than bitterness and resentment. Hebrews 12 says, do not let a root of bitterness spring up in your heart, for by it many are defiled, which means your bitterness not only sucks the life out of you, it sucks the life out of everyone around you. And somehow in the midst of this moment, Caleb was able to say, I, I am gonna just put this in the hands of a sovereign almighty God and just trust for the next 45 years the Lord has something for me but I can't imagine how many people in this moment for 45 years would have grown in resentment till at this moment they had nothing left and not an ounce of joy or energy. There, there is no capability of continued perseverance without the releasing of bitterness and resentment. It's continued endurance, perseverance. The next one is this, it is a, a focused pursuit a focused pursuit, enduring perseverance and focused pursuit. Verse 12, he says this, give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with fortified cities. Listen to this, do you know the place 
that Caleb wants is the exact same place the spies went in with the fortified cities and the giants? And do you know that up till this moment right here, they hadn't yet gotten that? that they conquered all the other territories, but there was this difficult hill country that was not easy to get to, which was the exact place where the spies saw and made them lose all of their faith. He still wants that. Like, he doesn't want the plains. He wants the hill country. And the reason he wants the hill country is because 45 years ago, the Lord told him he could have the hill country and he still doesn't have the hill country. 45 years ago, he believed that those giants were bred to them and could have been devoured by them, and they're still there in their fortified cities, and Caleb still wanted the exact same thing he wanted 45 years ago. I think for a distracted people like we are today, this is a really good word. We are a distracted people. Caleb wants the same thing that he wanted 45 years ago. He says, Joshua, give me that land, the hill country, the hard land. I wanna go. And he says this, because maybe, maybe the Lord will be with me and I'll drive them out just as the Lord said. He was wholehearted because he had that focus, that drive and desire to take what God had told him to take. The third one is this, it is a holy discontent. Holy following the Lord has a holy, H-O-L-Y, a pure, a righteous discontent, a holy discontent. I love that Caleb is not satisfied at 85 years old. He's not done. I say this a lot around here, and I say it a lot to our staff. We want to be thankful but never satisfied. And I mean that in a holy way. Praise God for what he's doing. But listen, when God is doing something, he's leading us to more. We want to continue to advance the kingdom of God, leading more people to trust and follow Jesus. Praise God, the room is full this morning. We want to see every seat filled. Why? Because we love people and we love Jesus. And we just want to keep moving forward with, a, with just a little bit of, of holy discontent. He was just not satisfied. He was longing for the fullness of everything God had for him. He wasn't looking back. He wasn't looking too far ahead. He was thinking about what God was doing right now. You know, the other side of bitterness, if bitterness is resentment because of the bad things that happened in my life, I think the other side of that is a longing for the good old days. Wanting to go back to the days you remember is better. And I say remember because I assure you they were not as good as you remember them. They just, they just weren't that good. There never was a real Mayberry. You know that? Like it didn't work out just like that, right? Not everything was resolved at the end because that's not life. And I think there are some who can, because of their resentment, have no desire to move forward. Some just don't want to move forward because they're longing for something that was in the past. And I love how Joshua isn't going back there to the hard things. He's not going back there to the glorious things. He's saying, all right, God, right now is the moment. You've given me today. What am I going to do right now? I want more from you. He's got a holy discontent. The last one is this, he has unwavering confidence. Write that down. He has unwavering confidence. As I was reading this over and over, I was just amazed that six times in these verses, six through 15, he mentions something the Lord had said to him. In verse six, he says, you know what the Lord said 
to Moses. In verse nine, he says, and Moses swore on that day. In verse 10, he says, just as he said. And then he says, and the Lord spoke. In verse 12, he said, the Lord spoke on that day. And at the end of verse 12, he says, I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. And I love the end of verse 12 where he simply says, well, maybe I'm gonna drive them out just like the Lord said. 45 years ago, the Lord said he was gonna do it. Maybe he's still going to do it. Let me just tell you, there is something in Caleb that just simply believes that what God says is right and true. Let me tell you something. That's the secret right here. Like I've talked to you about the fruit, this, this perseverance, this endurance, this holy discontent, all that. That's the fruit. That's what it looks like to wholly follow the Lord. But do you know where it comes from? Do you know the root of someone that wholly follows the Lord? It is this. It is simply taking God at his word and believing what he says is right and true. That's enough for Caleb. God said it. I know it doesn't make sense, but God said it, so let's go for it. He didn't overthink it. He didn't overcomplicate it. He actually believed if God said something, it was the right thing to do. And that is the root of wholly following the Lord. The reason Caleb wholly followed the Lord, listen, is because Caleb simply trusted the Lord. And you will never wholly follow the Lord unless you simply trust the Lord. I was talking to someone this week, over coffee early this week, talking about the difficulty in their life of surrendering to the Lord, just saying, Lord, this is my future, this is my present, it's my past, everything, I'm giving it all to you, that there's something difficult about that. And the reason is, as I said, is because you just don't trust that what God has is better. You don't trust that he loves you. You don't trust that he'll do better with your life than you can do with it. It all goes back to trust. Those who do not wholly follow are those who do not simply trust. And I, got, I was really burdened this week as I came to this text. So I just thought, man, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm 44, I'm about to be 45. And I thought, man, I, you know, I, I wanna take all that God has for me. And I'm thinking about our church and where we are in this moment. I said, God, I don't wanna miss anything. I wanna, I wanna take everything the Lord has. And I got on my knees and I just said, Lord, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna understand this. What is this? Like how at the end of the day can they say, I say, those people at Prince, they wholly follow the Lord. And as I prayed and read and studied, what I realized is this, it's just childlike faith. That's it. I mean, Caleb is a picture of Matthew 18, three, that unless you become like children, you cannot be great in the kingdom of God. And you know where Caleb's childlike energy comes from? Childlike faith. He's got childlike energy at 85 because he has childlike faith. He doesn't have any of the fear or the bitterness or the anxiety that is sucking all of the energy out of him. He knows that an anxious heart, as Proverbs 12 says, wears you down. Caleb simply takes God at his word. It's wholly following because simply trusting. He really reminds me of the 19th century English missionary, George Mueller. You know of George Mueller. George Mueller, over his lifetime, housed 10,000 orphans. He started five different orphan houses. He preached three times a week for 60 years, and we have a record of 10,000 sermons George Mueller preached. Now, when he turned 70, after all of the orphanages and all of that was done, or still going, but he had stepped out, 
he had a lifelong dream to be a traveling missionary at 70 years old. And he thought, all right, this is the time. And at 70 years old, he decided to spend the next 17 years of his life traveling. He traveled 200,000 miles before planes and cars and preached to 3 million people from the age of 70 to 87. After he couldn't travel any longer, he went back to his home church. He began to teach a Wednesday night class and prayer meeting. And after doing that for an extended period of time, he went home one night, he got in bed, someone knocked on his door to bring him some tea in the morning, and there he was dead. After 87 years of following the Lord, the last 17 of them as a traveling missionary. And do you know, if you read anything about George Mueller, what you'll find is this. George Mueller wanted everything in his life to be about this. He wanted his life to prove that you can take God at his word. And do you know his journals, which we still have, record over 50,000 specific answers to prayer? 50,000 specific answers to prayer. George Mueller wanted his life to simply preach us, to us this message, you can trust God. Let me tell you something. I, listen, can you stay, you got five more minutes for me? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> if you need to go, that's fine, but I'm going. I'm going to keep going here for just a minute. When I got here, I don't know what it is, but the Lord brought me to Matthew chapter 6. And I've shared some of this this week. I'm going to share a little bit more next week, but Matthew 6, Jesus says this, that if you will give in secret, the God who sees in secret will reward you. And if you pray in secret, the God who sees in secret will reward you. And if you fast in secret, the God who sees in secret will reward you. Well, I kind of wanted to know the reward before I did it. But what I realized is this. Part of the faith is not knowing what the reward is. Just believing that whatever it is, it's better. And it's something I wouldn't get if I didn't give, fast, and pray. And I'm saying this humbly before God because God just laid it on my heart. I committed that I'm gonna give more and pray more and fast more than I ever have in my entire life because I want everything God has for me and for my family and for this church. And what God was saying to us in Matthew 6 is simply this, do you just believe that God rewards those who seek him? Do you believe that? Do you believe Hebrews eleven six 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God? You must believe that he is. Listen, you must believe he rewards those who seek him. When you get up in the morning and open your Bible, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, God rewards that. But you have to believe that before you do it. God rewards those who seek him. It is this simple belief in the promises of God. And that's what it all comes down to. Do you believe that what God says is true? And that is the battle every day. Do I believe it's worth it to sacrifice something for someone else? Do I believe it's worth it to be humble? Do I believe it's worth it to share the gospel? Do I believe it's worth it to just be quiet right now? Do I believe it's worth it to give, to fast, to pray? Do you believe in what God has promised? And holy following the Lord simply comes down to believing that what God says is true. And you know, how, you know how you become a Caleb? You just do that day after day. There's no secrets. 
Do you know God cares much more about direction than he does distance? We, we're all about distance. God, I wanna be here. And God says, that's great. I want you to be here. Why don't you worry about direction? I'll worry about distance. You get the direction right, God will take care of the distance. What is, the, what is this whole Christian life? It's just waking up in the morning and saying, I'm gonna trust you today. I'm gonna believe that what you said is true and I'm gonna choose by faith to follow you. Holy following the Lord is rooted in simply trusting the Lord. Now listen, this morning, in just a minute, we're gonna have a moment to respond. And I believe without question, there's some of you who need to let go of some stuff. You need to let go of some bitterness. You need to let go of some resentment. You need to let go of some anxiety. I'm gonna get, I don't know, I'm gonna get real personal here. I was telling Andrea just this week, one of the things I'm gonna fast about here later in the fall is I just worry too much about sickness. I'm just being honest. Like I think when your 34-year-old wife gets cancer, it kind of messes with you a little bit. It's my issue. I just, but I don't wanna live with that anymore. And that's just one of those things I'm gonna just fast and pray about because I want God to deal with it. Some of you have some debilitating things that you need to let go of. You need to let go of them because they're hindering you from having the energy to do what God has called you to do. Some of you need to let go. Some of you need to step out and walk in obedience to a specific thing you know God's telling you to do. It may be giving, maybe fasting, maybe praying. It may be some area of obedience you haven't been obedient to. And God's saying right now, start now, start now trusting and following the Lord. Whatever it is, it just starts today. You wake up and do the same thing tomorrow. You simply trust the Lord. And at the end of it all, people will gather and say, he wholly followed the Lord because he simply trusted the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.